0: that means it's time for the first hour of the Dr. and Mrs. Future program.
1: Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Ladies and gentlemen, KSEO presents the Dr. Future Show. If you would like to join in our show today, you can call us at 831-479-1080... That's 831-479-1080. And now, your host, Dr. Future. Good afternoon, everyone.
0: Oh, did I hit the wrong one? Hey, Hey,
1: there you go. Good afternoon, everyone.
0: All right.
2: Ah, the cloudy, wintry day that we have today, (laughs) starting November. (laughs) It's actually pretty good to see a little bit of rain. You know, in yeah. our neck of the woods. And do we have Bobby on the line?
0: Yes, we do.
2: Did he, you on a regular yeah. line, or are you He on... had
0: to call in again. His Opal has been <laughs> completely decimated. Hey,
2: Bobby. Land yeah. of... Hi. Hey.
0: Did you hear us? We uh, were talking to you over the Opal connection. Were you able to hear it?
3: No, did you I try didn't hear it? Anything. I did. I tried two different. I updated my iPad Pros and they've, with the liping, 16.1. Liping, yeah. And then. Somehow it's not connecting with Opal,
2: or I can't
0: Well, we'll handle this all later,
2: after the show.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay.
2: Okay. (laughs) For those who uh, wonder, Opal 1 and 2 are digital lines that come into the studio so that we can have remote hosts and guests, and it sounds like they're in the studio, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. We're close to it, anyway. And Bobby's been a regular on that uh, Opal 2, which has been his his hangout when he's on the show today, but now he's on the phone, and then he's living in the land of... Elon and Pelosi and Twitter and all of that whole... <laughs> San Francisco's been in the news a lot lately, and Bobby's right yeah. there. It. Yeah, yeah. It
3: was raining this morning about a couple hours ago, and now really? it's like, I see blue skies. Really? <laughs> yeah, I see blue skies. That's not here. the case down Crazy. here.
2: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, <sighs> kind of cloudy. But I thought it was interesting that the SpaceX successfully launched their Falcon Heavy this morning in fog, and it was really cloudy. You couldn't... They had to shift That to was a,
0: the worst SpaceX video we've ever seen because of the weather.
2: Oh, my goodness. But they still launched. Yeah, it launched. And
0: they gave us the best camera shots they were allowed to.
2: Yeah. This,
0: of course, was a Space Force-sponsored flight. So, at a certain point, uh, they cut out before we watched them launch their cargo. But Yeah, uh, it's got
2: two top-secret security yeah. satellites and the payload to be deployed at the geosynchronous point that's 23,000 miles out in space, that is a place where there's a lot of communication satellites. Mm -hmm. Not near Earth orbit like the Starlinks, but way out there. This is where the satellites can look down on the Earth and see a third of the planet at any one time and uh, broadcast from there. Mm -hmm. That's the point in space that Arthur C. Clarke first wrote about back in the 40s as Uh the ideal place to put communication satellites where you Uh could cover the entire globe with three satellites.
0: Oh, so it kind of turns the Earth into a cone head. <laughs> <Yeah>. right?
2: <laughs> it's something like that. <laughs> yes, we get cones to the sat. So Space Force is sending up two security payloads that's supposed to operate in geosynchronous space. Now, what are they going to do? Who knows? Are they going to look at the Earth or spy yeah. on other communications channels? That would be more of a... NSA kind of thing well, well you know Sun Tzu
0: yeah. says it's good to get the high ground, so I don't know. is this the high ground?
2: Super high ground
0: for the Earth yeah for the so Earth they right. can see everything below them yeah pointing at the
2: Earth. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. but the, the Falcon Heavy took off promptly. It was at 9:41 a.m. this morning It had a nice steady climb above the Florida coast. The two side-mounted boosters took off at the right time and landed. Two boosters landing it was very magical. That gorgeous to see
0: that. thing that Elon and SpaceX have managed to do of reclaim their boosters by having them land—they landed on on the land, right? That's
2: they, right, on the land. In
0: this port. Well, they
2: had a third one. They could have landed on the ship, but they decided to expend it because. They needed to boost these uh, satellites, the Space Force satellites, right. to this extra higher.
0: They needed the, to use the fuel 000. to go further into space, with their maybe with their second satellite. Yeah.
4: Right.
0: First boost goes to position one with satellite one. Second boost goes to position two with satellite two. Something so, like
2: that. Something like that, yeah. But he got it up there, and it was successful. It was uh, fun to watch, I it must was. say.
0: Yeah, Definitely. I really do enjoy watching space launches. It's just a marvel of technology to see all of those coordinated rockets and and see what they're doing with such a huge, massive rocket.
2: I must (laughs) say, it's more satisfying than watching Elon uh, take over Twitter.
0: Ah. A <laughs> little well, know. a little messier I think that's pretty good situation.
2: Too, you know? Well, you
0: think he's going to do a good job with that? Absolutely. Well, you know me; I've always yeah. been in the Elon groupie camp, so I'm very fond of his sense of humor. I'm very fond of his sensibilities. I too am a free speech absolutist. We were almost the same age, so I think it's generational that we like the idea that creativity is our human gift to the planet, and that we want to create environments where people excel to their highest potential. And when you're just a straight shooter and an honest person and somebody who has a sense of humor, you maybe run afoul of people who are more sneaky and judgmental and like to be trolls as opposed to speak their mind openly. (laughs) Mainstream
2: media is blaming one of his tweets for this whole Pelosi scandal.
0: Well, it's real easy for these faceless blobs who consider themselves mainstream media to get some kind of echo going in the buzz world that has little to do with reality, you know? How can Elon cause something like that? It's ridiculous.
2: Well, the story goes that he's got millions and millions of subscribers, right? So people track everything that he says, Mm -hmm. and therefore... When he says something, it gets traction. Well, you know,
0: Sharon Stone once said that she would read the rumor mill rags about this character that had her name called Sharon Stone, and she would read about all these things that this character, famous Sharon Stone, did and attributed to her, and it had nothing to do with the real-life human being who was reading these stories. And I think fame is like that. I think there's this cartoon Elon that all of these nameless credit seekers criticize as if they know him, and they're just demonstrating their own stupidity from the anonymity of their own true presence but, in that world but mrs future
2: uh, <laughs> using that logic mm-hmm. wouldn't that be true for all famous people well, That we'd all be working with cookie cutter comic book versions of them well, and making don't all these be opinions so
0: you need dimensional i mean it's just an aspect of fame it's not the only aspect of
2: fame right Venn diagram i kind of think Venn <laughs> diagram yeah. multiple forces
0: yeah on this. all, all right. right just a description to oh. help keep it all in the balance. Yeah, well, thank you for discern that. the truth. All right, we'll be back.
2: Gary, okay, welcome back to the show. Did you see that piece on the giant? colossal meteorite that struck Mars?
0: Well, thanks to you pointing it out to me. Yeah, wasn't that interesting? Yes. Can you believe that in our lifetime we are aware of other planets getting struck by (laughs) meteors? It might be the first Era in history. I mean, Schumacher Levy, when it hit Jupiter, that was big news. That was a real aha moment for me and for civilization. That, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, when we could
2: start to see that the entire solar system was having all kinds of exciting events happening yeah, all the time.
0: Yeah, and that planets yeah. are getting hit by little rocks that are doing major damage.
2: <laughs> well, this one was and interesting. It's normal. This one is interesting because a little background we want to have a colony on mars when to live on mars we want to be where it's warm and relatively speaking you know
0: (laughs) yeah because the coldest day on mars is kind of like the warmest day in the south pole
2: yeah yeah you don't want to live in the our antarctic is bad enough you don't want to live in the martian antarctic it's like twice as bad (laughs) plus no atmosphere talk about a venn diagram of why not to be there anyway Mm -hmm. it's really a nasty place the nicest place is closer to the equator, of course.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I, yeah, I don't think we're going to go to Mars for sunbathing. I no. mean, for sure. We're, we're going to stay inside our ships,
2: yeah. probably. <laughs> I think it gets to be a, like a, a balmy 30 degrees Fahrenheit on the warmest summer days.
0: But... <laughs> really? You think it gets to be sub-freezing? I mean, yeah, it gets yeah, to I think be so. Almost to, the, yeah. almost to the melting point of ice? <laughs> Isn't that right, Bobby? I mean... You,
3: yeah, it's it's pretty cold there for sure. I think we're uh, talking
0: about the warmth there. <laughs> the warmth yeah. there can almost melt ice. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> almost.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the picture of this this ice ball that hit Mars. Well what, I
2: mean, w- well it, what happened is that it exposed ice balls. Right. Yeah. Whatever hit it caused these boulder sized chunks of ice blasted out of the crater. Now, they found those right near the equator. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're saying that
3: the ice that we see that looks like snow around the outer edges of the crater is actually from Mars and from the impact from the asteroid.
2: That's correct. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Which was great news because that suggests that there's a whole bunch of water near the equator. You can mine for water
0: if you you land on Mars at the equator.
2: Or you know, ice, baby. Equator ice. Equator <laughs> ice, baby. So you could just drill
3: for ice or water. Yeah. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, yeah. right wow. there.
2: Right at the. That's, at that's the, the good it, news.
3: Yeah, that's
0: the that exciting has been result. Revealed. Yeah. It took a random asteroid hitting a planet to reveal.
2: Our scientists knew that there's water ice near the poles, but never did we know that there was any this much so close to the equator.
0: Boy it could change future missions to Mars radically,
2: yeah, oh, well, you can make uh, water from the ice oxygen, hydrogen, fuel, food. water is a key element for the likes of us,
0: it sort of makes you think about the equator here on Earth is so desirable if you like the heat, right if you, it's a little it's a little too hot almost, but on Mars, it's, it would be the only place that you'd even want to consider, <laughs> depending the only, on the weather. Yeah, it's the only
2: place uh, a polar bear would consider uh, cold enough
0: <laughs> <laughs> Right.
2: Oh, even well, that's warm.
0: But it also makes you think aren't there active volcanoes on Mars?
2: I mean, mm, no, nah, yeah, so. you don't know. I, the whole thing I don't is, know.
0: I know there's is, big volcanoes on Mars, but they might be extinct.
2: Yeah, I don't think they've discovered. They've discovered a lot of. There might be actually because they we do have the Insight Lander, and it's recorded over a thousand Mars quakes mm-hmm. since it's been there.
0: Right. So I'm just take this journey with me here. If okay. we're looking for warmth on Mars, yeah, isn't it possible that somewhere near the lava flows would be good? If you could protect
2: yourself from flying rocks. Oh sure. Yeah, if I could find a live <laughs> lava flow, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure NASA would be all over that. Yeah. Geothermal, yeah. There
0: you go. Except in this case, it's Martian thermal. <laughs> we have to go. Well, there is no geothermal.
2: There are all. many uses to that. I, I think some have even suggested we throw our garbage in the volcanoes. Oh, I don't like that. There you, like you that go idea. again. No. <laughs> that's true. It's not the most eco.
0: No, and have bad smoke. I doubt that you yeah. would want to carry your trash bags that far to get to the edge. No, of a No, no, but
2: you can guarantee that once I've been on Mars for a year, I'm going to have some trash. <laughs> I don't see I how know. it's avoidable.
0: Well, I think that we have the climate awareness yeah. that is seeping over the consciousness yeah. of humanity is going to shift our idea of trash. Like, can you imagine where our industrial design actually? Doesn't have trash, that everything is so well designed that it fits into a cyclical I system. Said,
2: yes, yeah, I inputs. see the reprogramming there, huh? Said, yeah. Actually there is no trash. There's just molecules. Yeah. And knowing how to reform them so they're useful. Yeah. Has now been figured out.
0: Right. And it, not just molecules, but materials.
2: Materials, yeah. Material science yeah. is uh, evolving not just towards creating new materials, but for disassembling old materials.
0: Right. And for putting inputs into new uses. Like I love a lot of times when we unwrap packaging of things that we've gotten from Amazon, I just am marveling at how wonderful the packaging materials are. There's some of these amazing, clear, sticky plastic that sticks to itself, that protects the furniture that comes in the mail, and because I appreciated... The industry that creates these materials, I saved some of these and they were very useful to our friends who moved, Mm. you know, so that's the kind of recycling I'm talking about is where you don't just assume something is garbage because you're done using it. You actually appreciate what it is useful for and you send it to that purpose.
2: Yeah, I know some hoarders are really good at that.
0: Well, yeah, you can diminish it if you want. No,
2: I'm sorry. I it is. Mean hey, but I, I, I agree. Everything can I be I admit to being
0: and, a, a trash nerd, not a hoarder.
2: Yeah. But and but there uh, was I'm a Saturday all,
0: Night Live comedy shtick about yeah. people who fold their paperbacks. That's me. I'm, I'm one of those people who folds their paperbacks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it used to be pretty normal, like back in the 30s, that... F- People would save just about everything because they didn't have access to buying everything like we do today. And they didn't, so didn't save have packaging as, as an
0: industry, so they didn't generate so much trash.
2: We used to get milk as delivered as in
0: glass bottles that got picked up by the milkman, right?
2: Sure. That sure. was a closed loop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, now, you know, fortunately, we have to think... Of, about this, and that the whole cycle of it, not just how we can create really useful materials out of plastic and such, but how to recycle them. And we have tried to cover that. I mean, there are people working on ways of breaking down plastic more easily or creating plastic-like materials out of like mycelium mushrooms that apparently can act as plastic. So there's a lot of things being experimented with right now. And we're still in the early days of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, as soon as yeah. we realize we're spoiling our nest, we're starting to figure out how to do something about it.
0: Yeah. 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 That's Humans, the, we right. are very feedback-oriented. Once we get the feedback, we start responding to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it used to be that nature, we saw nature was the recycling center of the planet. And people didn't think twice about letting nature process their garbage. No,
2: we, and rivers were both a source of uh, water and toilets.
0: Sure, but laws came about because of the upstream-downstream disputes that would happen among people who sure wanted yeah. access to clean water, but also wanted some of the water when others were hoarding it further up the line, you know? I mean, there's been a lot of civilization devoted to this question of making the resources useful to everyone.
2: Yeah, I think uh, South Park did a great show on that called Water Water Wars. Yeah, the Water
0: Wars. I thought they did a great job of that whole conversation about hoarding water, climate change, uh, people growing marijuana instead of food, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah. So many good issues they covered.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so this all comes back to Mars because... It shows that it can be, the equator can be a place where we can have a civilization and have the resources necessary to utilize and recycle.
0: Okay, well, at least in terms of being able to mine for water. Right. There are right. probably other factors we'll
2: have to consider, like <laughs> those
0: horrible eight-month-long windstorms. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, that's uh, huh. that would drive me nuts. An eight-month-long windstorm, actually dust storm, it's like being in a dust storm with Burning Man yeah. for eight months. Right, yeah. That would that would be hard. And
0: that would be hard on your that's car. That's when it
2: would be good to have really nice virtual reality. Uh-huh. Where you can go and do <laughs> yeah. it. You know, other worlds.
0: Well, and also tunneling, right? I mean, go down far enough that you're in a protected zone.
2: Yeah, I think that underground stuff totally makes sense. Sure. And our species has. You don't have to mine for for the water. You just
0: melt the water that's right outside your underground window.
2: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, and caves, as I said, for (laughs) millions of years, caves are normal for us. So.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, I'm a bit of a sun worshiper. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind the novelty of visiting Mars, but I don't think I'm heading there to homestead. You know? You're
2: not going to be one of the early pioneers.
0: Well, I doubt it. We'll see.
2: How about if you got a two-way ticket?
0: Yeah, we've got to see what opportunities come our way. I, I, I'm not deciding today, okay? okay. Right. I'm just she's, commenting she's on my nature as of... a sun worshiper.
2: Yeah. what about you, Bobby? Well,
3: I'd bring my sauna and my near-infrared and... (laughs) your lasers.
2: All right. All right, good. As much as possible. I like that,
0: Bobby. I want to be in your section of the ship.
2: (laughs) The spa. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'll go if I could live near the spa. (laughs) <laughs> or in it, that would be the best in the spa. Yeah. I, would say I
0: wouldn't go. It's I would not say not you want a stateroom
2: with it. a spa if you're going if, yes. you, if it's going to be like a uh, cruise ship going to That's Mars. That's true. Would, yeah. And then have a really good one installed once we get there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> We've got to bring our comforts with us. We know what we like.
0: That's right. I'm telling you, the Enterprise. Yeah. Star Trek got it right. <laughs> We want to visit these places from afar and go with the away team to check them out for the day.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back right after the break. Yeah, you're so glad to be here. Really. Okay, welcome back to the show. There's been a lot of press this week on this new asteroid that was found hiding in the sun's glare.
0: Yeah, Uh, do... A uh,
2: planet-killer asteroid. Apparently, only about 25 asteroids with orbits completely within Earth's orbit have been discovered to date. And that's not because there's only 25, but it's because it's really hard to observe things in space because of the glare of the sun.
5: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. So. It's either backlit or if it's black, it just isn't picking yeah, up the light. Yeah, backlit
2: would be a good thing for uh, photographers to particularly understand. Serious backlight. Mm-hmm. This kind of blinds you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and
0: especially if it's a little tiny rock that is hidden in the light.
2: Right, right. So this one's 1.5 kilometers or about 0.9 miles wide. And it's one of the larger ones spotted in the last eight years. And they've dubbed it the planet killer because uh, the effects of its impact would be felt across multiple continents hmm. if it did hit. So it's a multi-continent size. Yeah. Mile-wide asteroids are... Serious business. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, one's called- It could yeah. do a lot of damage. <laughs> <laughs> you could put a dent in your old day, I tell you. Yeah. <sighs> Why we'd feel it here and you'd feel it there, Bobby? And
0: you think we'd yeah. take out
2: our species? And Gabby be feeling it in New Jersey? And yeah, uh, uh, well,
3: you know, if it uh, if it hit the Pacific Ocean, you'd have a tidal wave that's two thousand feet high and oh my just like God. wipe out a coastline at least, you know. Yeah.
2: So. Yeah.
0: One big wave that creates a mess that we'd never recover from. Well, I'll
2: tell you, if it's 1,300-foot tidal wave, then my, We're in trouble. my deck becomes a dock. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm in Creek, 1,300 feet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So how do we spot these things? How do we deal with this blind spot? We can't aim web at it or Hubble because... They don't look at the sun They never look at the sun That's like us, you know, you don't look at the sun Unless you want to lose your eyesight Fortunately We're getting better at detecting Them Mm -hmm. How do you detect this kind of uh, thing Well, one of the ways Is infrared
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say we'd travel up there And put a tracker on it
3: (laughs) Well, we would after we get up there (laughs)
2: of those apple tags on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. clapper. <laughs> Where
3: are you, asteroid? <laughs> when it
2: gets close. <laughs> yeah, and then you can see whether or not it's a, a valuable asteroid to see if it has any metal on it, for example.
0: Oh, well, yeah. then... you or know,
2: diamonds or platinum or something interesting. You could
0: put metallics yeah. you could stick something metal to it <laughs> or stick some, something magnetic to it.
2: <laughs> Make it valuable, a valuable tag.
0: hmm yeah. Okay.
2: So the thing million is, million dollar business, yeah, asteroid tax. Yeah, asteroids. Yeah, my <laughs> guess is that most of them are just rubble piles and uh-huh. relatively useless. But every so often, you have one that might have some intrinsic value to our species.
0: All right. Well, there's 25 that we know of that you could start checking out.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Let them come to us. We don't have to go to mine them.
0: Careful what you wish for, yeah. honey. I think we the reason we're looking at those asteroids is because we hope they don't come to us. Yeah,
2: well, currently uh, the astronomers are monitoring about 2,200 of them uh-huh. out there. Right. And they orbit dangerously close to us. And the ones that we're most concerned about are about 0.6 tenths of a mile wide and bigger, about one kilometer.
0: Yeah. And apparently that's over 20 of those that we've discovered close enough to Earth that we think we should map where they're going. We're mapping 2,200,
2: right. Mm -hmm. Right, so far, yeah. Yes, so so fortunately, the astronomers are able to calculate their trajectories for centuries into the future. So once we see them, we can figure out their trajectories for a long way.
0: Oh, good, and that gives us a long time to come up with some kind of a catcher's mitt.
2: Yeah, unless they... Hit each other, and like a pool game, they oh. might cause chaos.
0: Or oh. Or cascade
2: effect. Or, that, fortunately, doesn't happen that often.
0: Well, I would imagine that the yeah. same program that's tracking them could track them if they hit each other.
2: Yeah, it would just have to be given some new calculations, like like we were doing with the impact last week. Remember uh-huh. that? The,
0: right, the near-Earth asteroid that they measured.
2: Didymus. Didymus. The Didymus, Didymus that's right. <laughs> yeah. Whacked into Didymus. Morpho or
0: something, yeah. right? Dimorphos.
2: The Dart
3: project. We dar- yeah. yeah, we threw a dart at it.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Score. It <down. laughs> right smack dab in the middle. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I think that's one of the... Didymus is one of those um, asteroids that are mm-hmm. near us. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. It was a 525-foot asteroid, Dimorphos. Mm-hmm. And Didymus was 25, yeah, 525 foot and 2,500 foot one was the parent rock, 2,500, 500. Mm -hmm. So those are quite a bit smaller
0: than the one that that we're reporting on today. The smaller
2: one was orbiting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and both of those are also near-Earth. Near-Earth orbiting. NEOs, NEOs. Right, NEOs. You know, it's a whole ecosystem in and of itself. If you start to think of territory as involving all these rocks near us
0: yeah yeah i was contemplating what the real estate laws are for say the james webb telescope obviously as we inhabit space that's a very sweet spot for people who want to place their own telescopes to stare off into space and
2: yeah what it makes it interesting is that if you have your own telescope and you discover one that might be valuable with platinum and gold and uh, diamonds and if you discovered it, does that make it yours? How yeah. do you make a claim in the asteroid in the Earth? Yeah, there's
0: no there's no laws asteroid world. that have been written about this because the domain of space is pretty much not covered under common law of the land or common law of the sea. And common law of the air has only been written for beings that are confined to the planet. We've got a whole new frontier here for laws in space.
2: That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. And when they start getting valuable... To us, what do we do?
0: We might want to just start playing finders keepers. Yeah,
2: find people who like them. We have so many people (laughs) that finders keepers will start for sure. Whenever we create a new territory, we start creating rules really fast. Well, you know, our friend John
0: Graham always, I think, was the great lawmaker of time. He says, if you're smart enough to get here, then come and play. You know, (laughs) I mean, it's not easy to get to one of these valuable asteroids. And if you have put in enough time and effort to figure out what it takes, then of course you get to make the rules. You don't need to bother keeping anyone else out because nobody else can get there.
2: (laughs) You've created not just the vision, but the means to fulfill the vision.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And as is our true divine nature. It's you like, know?
2: it's what was Noah without his ship.
0: <laughs> Guy with an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So freedom exists as yeah. long as we're going where our heart's desire takes us. Mm. Right. It's mm. only when we're telling ourselves that we're limited, that we're not enjoying our freedom.
2: So watch those limited thoughts, huh?
0: Now, you know me, I love to quote Jonathan Livingston Siegel, argue for your limitations, and sure enough, they're yours. So, I say, don't do that. <laughs>
2: okay, well, I have an idea for the planet killer asteroid. Mm-hmm. I say, if you look at it from a f- cinematic point of view, backlit is, you can't see any of the details, so it's kind of invisible. So, what you got to do is either you move the light or you move the camera.
0: You can't move the sun, honey.
2: No, I know. its sun's yes. too big. So, but we can move the camera. camera. <laughs> so I would say that our best defense against uh, those type of asteroids would be to put the camera on the other side of them, like more towards the orbit of Venus mm-hmm. and looking back at the Earth.
0: Oh, sure. So they use the
2: sun to your advantage
0: mm-hmm.
2: from the Venusian point of view.
0: Right. And yeah. we'd be able
2: to see the Earth under a brighter light. And, I've and forgotten all the, the name of it. But weren't there
0: companies us? that were startups a few years ago that were in the business of just tracking these near-Earth orbit asteroids and threats? And didn't they launch a satellite in that direction for just that purpose? I can't quite remember the name. We'll have
2: to well, do a little research. It's such a I, great idea that I wouldn't be surprised if NASA. If had done <laughs> I don't some, think it was NASA. It was
0: a startup. I know. Anyway, yeah, well, start I'll, startup I'll would be more likely. Yeah, show, yeah, but, yeah, that's a um, good idea for startup. A, a they did a do something that. like
2: that, mm-hmm. they still in business. <laughs>
0: well, I'm busy getting ready to play the next set of break things. So okay, good because I do have a right I do have
2: a piece <laughs> on the ISS. <laughs> some interesting information there okay. on a new sensor there that could mean a lot to our planet. Okay, I could start it then.
0: Yeah, start it.
2: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this is kind of interesting because NASA has uh, a great. Location on the space station to set up a lot of sensors, mm-hmm. you know, and things and devices that can look out. Really, there's the still universe.
0: room on the space station. it's it well, so crowded.
2: Well, that's what it's crowded with: dizzy. is sensors and uh-huh. tech. I mean, this is one of the not plants. They don't have too many plants there, but they, have they do have a lot for of sensors. And one of the great ones that they just put in was a sensor that looks at planetary dust. Mm-hmm. They look back at the Earth and they can look at all the dust spots. And what's interesting is that they can tell what's creating the dust. And one of the things that they've been able to identify are the 50 top super emitters of a gas called methane.
0: Methane. Methane. Yeah. Oh. Super
2: methane super emitters. Okay. And this. Are they tracking cows? Yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I guess I guess when they have a really great methane super think, emitter they do you can. you think tell. cows are super yeah.
0: emitters. <laughs> I think they might be micro emitters.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that word because it is called emit. It's NASA's Earth Surface Mineral Dust Source Investigation with a capital T in investigation. Emit. Seriously, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was installed in July to measure the mineral dust in the Earth's atmosphere, the mineral dust. So you you see with these sensors, you can tell what all kinds of stuff that's going on in the atmosphere from the dust.
0: Mm. Methane is a hydrocarbon that has one carbon and four hydrogen atoms in the molecule. That's what a methane
2: is. It turns out that its spectral signature, the methane, is well within the range of this uh, dust detector. And they've been able to see exactly where big pollutions are happening. Now, methane is an interesting gas because it's like 100 times more dangerous than CO2 in the atmosphere. But it has a much shorter Mm half-life. It goes away in, I think, it's a a few uh, months as opposed to dozens of years. It's a powerful greenhouse gas. Oh, well, here's the specifics on it. It's 80 times the heat of carbon dioxide, 80 times more powerful.
0: Mm. You know what?
2: It's time for the break. Okay. All right, we'll be right back. Yeah. Okay, welcome back to the show. Well, the exciting part here is that NASA has provided a few examples where these massive clouds of methane have been detected.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One is a 12 methane plumes in Turkmenistan, Turkmenistan that stretch for more than 20 miles. And another is a plume at a waste processing facility south of Tehran in Iran.
0: So this is natural gas leaking. That's what methane is, is the main component of natural gas. These are hydrocarbons coming out of the ground probably Hmm. from some mining operations, A waste
2: processing facility south of Tehran Mm -hmm. uh, emits a plume three miles long.
0: Hmm.
2: Of methane. Yes. Hmm. And in the U.S., there's a two-mile plume. That's been spotted near Carlsbad, New Mexico, at the edge of the Permian Basin oil field.
5: Okay. The Permian Basin
2: oil field, which is uh, huge down there. All right. So the outpourings from these three locations come to about 77 metric tons of methane per hour.
0: Hmm. Sounds,
2: sounds like a good place locations. to make
0: a dent in the uh, concern about global warming.
3: <laughs> Just the top <laughs> three emitters. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if you light a match nearby? <laughs> I
0: I wouldn't want to be there.
2: <laughs> Isn't there a whole atmosphere on another planet like Jupiter? Maybe huh? it's methane. Yeah, it, it rains methane or something. Yeah. Or if, or, yeah. yeah all right, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll raise you stakes on that one, Bobby. What if you light a match <laughs> there? <laughs> yeah. But well, there's no air there. So oh, good. Pray. You're right on that. You're, you'd have <laughs> to provide some air. Yeah. Uh, as much air as you provide would be how big the reaction would be. Yes. <laughs> uh, so in this case, it's a good question. The Permian Basin oil field near Carlsbad. I would imagine whenever I've been near oil areas, I can kind of smell it. Mm-hmm. Right? And I mean, yeah. maybe it's not as distinctive as the Harris Ranch and cows and their methane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah these can, guys didn't even make
0: the chart of the super emitters. <laughs> there are a lot of people who think this whole associating cows with methane is really just an attempt to get farmers to give up their land. Stop stop mm-hmm. using cattle as their livelihood and turn a... it over to some land developers.
2: For right, cheap. some secondary agendas going on here.
0: Yeah, yeah, if you're... Dumb enough to fall for it.
2: So. Gotcha. All right. Wow. <laughs> this sounds like this dust detector up on the ISS could be useful for a lot of things besides methane, too. And it's as useful as methane looks in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I, they said it's called a mineral dust detector. What kind of minerals is it detecting? Is it another way of looking at where to find things on the planet for mining operations of the future? Mm-hmm. I would think the miners would be interested in that sort of thing, or at least the miner owners. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I had a roommate that was getting his Ph.D. in geology yeah. at, at Berkeley, mm. and they had all these really interesting instruments. They had not only a magnetometer, you know, that they they would fly in airplanes, and they would measure magnetically so you could detect, like, iron, but mm. they had something called a gravitometer, and because gold is much heavier and dense, it actually distorts gravity they were thinking of flying over regions of Alaska or wherever, and
2: the gravitometer to,
3: uh, looking for yeah, gold the right? gravitometer, yeah, looking for gold, yeah, yeah, did they ever do it? He invited me, I should go with them i, I should get in contact with them,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah go with so, them yeah you could be rich, yeah. you could you know <laughs> pay us a salary
3: <laughs> so so I'm sure those satellites that are looking at those asteroids have the same yeah. type of equipment, yeah. And that's why they're looking for gold and silver and, and platinum, actually, you know, precious metals.
2: Yeah. Man. Well, this same tech could also be useful for looking at the near-Earth orbiting asteroids.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I looked up what planet is a methane planet, and it, apparently methane has a blue color and is associated with Uranus.
2: Me.
5: The plant. The planet.
4: Wait a minute. This sounds. Too... <laughs>
2: yeah, it sounds about right. Very good. Thank you for that. Sure. Valuable information.
0: <laughs> I thought you'd like
2: to. That's uh, a visual I can't get rid of. <laughs> At least for a moment until the next story. Anyway, wait. What's the next story? <laughs> uh, the dust sensor. Yes. <clears throat> oh, man. Okay. There was an interesting, (laughs) this is a a little shift. Uh, There was a new robot that came out that really got my attention. It wasn't the usual two-armed robot that you see in science fiction movies or even in car plants. This is a tentacle robot. Right up your alley. A tentacle robot, yeah. (laughs) Like a little palm front. like a little... By a jell- and fired by a jellyfish mm-hmm. with curly hairs. Mm-hmm. You know how little curly hairs that come down below the jellyfish? Well, so does the robot. It's got little curly hairs and he has these rubber hairs that can entangle. They come down and, and they run into something and they they start to wrap around it.
0: Right. And then it's kind of like the hand, you know, <laughs> that, that it little. It can grasp things. Do, yeah, yeah that, that hook that drops down into the toy and.
2: And pulls things stuff out. Yeah, uh,
0: as you as you lift it up again, it extracts.
2: Right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is pretty cool. But this is a more organic looking. Uh huh. Yeah, in the sense that you have a almost look like a, a group of earthworms, almost that let, we're very were downward very long. And what they
0: do, there's a pneumatic, they're little pneumatic tubes. So the vacuum is used to suck these uh, tubes into curls. And and then those curls grab whatever they can underneath them.
2: Yeah, like the earthworms grabbing something and pulling it up. Mm -hmm. Very fascinating. It's it's very alien looking too, I might add. Mm -hmm. It's very organic. But
0: uh, they think it might be very useful in agriculture. They think it could be a gentle way of getting a grip on certain kinds of fruits and being able to extract them.
2: And not breaking them.
0: Yeah, without breaking them, of
2: course. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Tentacle robot, irregularly shaped objects. They got the ideas from studying other species, mm-hmm. uh, like insects and and jellyfish especially.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's a novel uh, gripper.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it really is. And it's kind of fun to watch because it kind of just, it goes down and it like tickles whatever it is that it's trying to pick up. And the pneumatic has been completely released so that the tentacles are fully extended. And then, once it's all enmeshed with whatever it's trying to pick up, then the pneumatics are withdrawn, so it kind of sucks it in, and then everything becomes coiled, and then those coils, while they're all sucked in like that, lift up the object.
2: It's so cool. (laughs) Here's a key sentence, a descriptive sentence. It says, Each tentacle, a hollow rubber tube is created with a thin side and a thick side. Curling as it's inflated to wrap around the object to be held and to release the object, the tentacles are simply depressurized. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Novel thinking as people try and invent ways that robots can help people.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It looks
3: like dangling spaghetti, but then it acts like uh, like a jellyfish. You know how it... It picks up things, yeah, Yeah. or entangles things.
0: Yes, a novel form of entanglement, literally finger entanglement.
2: (laughs) 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 So, you know, what do we think of next, I tell you?
0: Definitely high novelty factor here.
2: It's very cool. (laughs) There's just so much going on that really is convincing that we're having a true renaissance today.
0: There is. And it's really finding
2: that. I I
0: I speculate that. that many people are actually paying attention to all of the amazing curiosities that are available through the internet. And that the mainstream media fascination with negativity and gore and the Who Got Killed Today news is actually a tiny thread that people are just rejecting and paying less and less attention to.
2: It'll exist as long as people pay attention to it. And mainstream media has always been that way. Well, as I said, when it bleeds, it leads.
0: There you go. But then
2: Bad news be, travels faster I, I think, than good news. I think there's a decentralization of audience. It goes out through more channels, and so they're desperate for readership, and their finances are dropping dramatically because yeah. it's so cheap and easy to do other channels. Yeah, they're going to
0: have to come up with a new model for being important besides so, just... Constantly grabbing people by the jugular and making them think the right. world so, is awful.
2: So these these last, these are vestiges of the thrashing beast before it, That's it. leaves.
0: That's right. It's- the dying of the light.
2: <laughs> it's so funny, because we are on the oldest form of mainstream media, broadcasting here at AM radio. You know, yeah. it's sort of ironic in a way.
0: And it's still a medium for optimism and imagination and curiosity. It's time for the
2: second hour of the Dr. and Mrs. Future program.
1: And now, your host, Dr. Future.
2: Hey, folks. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back, Mrs. Future. I'm happy to be here. And Bobby, our science correspondent in San Francisco. Are you there? Yes.
3: We're, okay. I'm still here on the regular Potts line.
2: <laughs> uh, yes. Well... At least we have that. You know, if it we were just Internet, yeah. we probably wouldn't even have that.
3: Yes. Yeah.
0: And gosh darn it, Apple, when it resets your system, it throws your media settings into disarray. And you have <laughs> to figure it all out again.
3: I'll have it figured out by next week,
2: I'm okay, sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right, well, meanwhile, we do have a couple comments. Uh, Richard down in Long Beach. Richard has,
0: Cray. Yeah,
2: he says... Yeah. Titan is the most Earth-like body in our solar system because it has liquid on its surface. Ocean lakes and rivers of liquid methane.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, that means that there are carbon units there.
2: (laughs) We're just... uh, so, in that case, you need creatures that bubble out oxygen.
0: Yeah, right. And, you know, yeah, this was a methane a, planet yeah. at one of our stages of evolution, wasn't it? Before we had an atmosphere? Didn't we have a methane atmosphere? I don't know
2: about that, but okay. I, yeah, I well. I've imagined less. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll have to ask Bruce Dahmer. I think yes. he knows well, do we ever have a methane atmosphere on Earth? Earth?
2: It would definitely not be friendly to life as we know it. Right. However, not, not to say that other forms of life might not enjoy yeah. methane, yeah, uh, liquid oceans, <laughs> and maybe even dive in them. Sure, you know, yeah, that's the kind of thing that you would talk uh, about at a contact conference.
0: That's right. Contact, first contact. If we ever meet life forms that are not from Earth, what should we say, and what should they say, and what are the rules?
2: Well, you would create them. And the contact group would used to be held every year in Silicon Valley. Yeah. You'd get together and imagine what kind of creatures could exist in the atmospheres of other planets. Mm-hmm. And they might be gas balls floating. float. <laughs> <laughs> like sea anemones.
0: How would you even recognize them? How would you yeah. know that they're alive?
2: Well, and you'd create a whole ecosystem based on your, uh, your, your little invention. Pretty cool. Uh-huh. I think you could recognize them by having bad breath. You know, bad I think. breath. <laughs> <laughs> from your point of view. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. From our sensors, you know. Yeah. They put off some kind of gas that we
2: didn't really appreciate. <laughs> yes, yes. That interspecies gas exchange can be tricky sometimes. Right. Do you have a caller, Mrs. Future.
0: We do. Steve from Santa Cruz always likes to chime Mr. in. Steve. Let's say hi to Steve. Hi, Steve.
2: How are hey, hey how you doing? Hey, happy first Halloween! Oh, you're just a little muffled there. Can yes, you are you that? speaking through a sock? You get a new pillow? I'm gonna take it off. Speak is that better? Oh, way much better, better! Yeah, oh, much
0: thank better. you, Steve. I know what happened. Sure, it was, it
2: was sure. uh, muffling your your call for some reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. not, an and, uh, and not an Android, is it? <laughs> yeah, actually, it is. <laughs> it it is.
3: It. Oh, okay. Oh, now I can <laughs> recognize I'm a,
6: Cool, yeah. Elon Musk brought the fun back to Twitter for me. I was a Twitter guy probably seven years ago and I, I built up a big site and a following and oh, yeah? put a lot of, put some energy into it and it was all fabricated around a book that I was writing so I just fabricated a persona to go along with the book and created this narrative and it was fun. People responded and it was, it was fun. Well, and I thought well, you weren't I a bot. <laughs> no, I was a, real, I was a real human that time. Yeah. So I, I thought, Okay, so I, I did that for a while, I and mean, I lost more or less lost interest in it. But then, with this resurgence of Elon, who, who, I, I dig Elon. I think he's one of us. I just mm-hmm. I like him, and Me too. he I like one I like of the us. way he one of us one of us yeah I like the way he, he brought the fun back to Twitter. So I got reinterested in it. It's funny, Mrs. Future. I was having a meatball sandwich at. Abbott Square last night with a friend of yours. I'm not going to name her because she's a private person, but you know her. And we were eating and she was talking a little bit about a, um, about a Trump call she'd heard. Oh, Colonel Terry had called in basically and he was responding or something. But she was relaying the, the talk to him And I said, I said, well, listen, friend, I said, if you want to see a really good example of what happened to Trump, watch what happens to Elon Musk. <laughs> he was everybody's darling in the beginning when he was exploring space and building the Tesla. And everybody wanted a Tesla. Yeah. But as soon as he gets involved in social media and, and opens up Republican conservative for- talks forums, You're starting to see what happens. You know exactly what's going to happen. Well, what's your prediction? Well,
0: Uh, actually, I think we should wait and see, Steve, because I don't think that he's going to polarize things in the same direction as Donald Trump. And... I do think that the nature of America is to speak your mind and respect our differences and that to the degree that that is not weaponized but is just brought back into normal, it's going to be a big relief for America to be able to speak
6: our minds. I love the way you think and I love your positive outlook, but I've been on Elon's Twitter account for the last two days Uh and he's getting a lot of hate, man. Like, I'm talking like
0: I know, but it's the political season and people are in the hate business. And it's almost like just the fact that he's popular means he's going to have to navigate that stuff. And I think he's been a Twitter character long enough that he's got thick skin. And come on, the guy has got like five boys that are all grown up now. People give
2: each other a hard time all the time. And, you know, fundamentally, I think he's a happy person and the haters are unhappy people. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what do you think of the checkmark
6: system and the ensuing fees that goes with the checkmark you know, system? I'm what
0: trying you- to understand what the checkmark is. Does that just mean that you're a real person, you're or does that mean it. something and more?
2: You belong to the club. You yeah. paid a certain amount of money to. It well, ver- yeah, just verifies.
0: It's well, he's, pr- he's I read probably the same things you read. And he's just basically saying that he wants Twitter to be a place that is safe for advertisers. And he wants it to pay for itself because it's a business. And yeah. what's the big deal? If you start charging people a small monthly fee, then you don't have to only depend on the whim of your advertisers. To me, as a business, it makes sense. When the Internet was first getting started, I was very aware of the fact that our whole economy was going to go towards what we now think of as a subscription-based economy. That the only way to have a business is to get somebody, some group of people, to give you money on an ongoing basis. And Twitter... I think paying a little bit for those who can and will and want to for a town square, the vision that he has, doesn't ruffle my feathers at all. I totally like it and agree with it.
6: There's a great tweet exchange between him and Stephen King. I heard about that. And Stephen King says, no effing way am I going to pay $250 a year for a Twitter account. And then Elon tweets back, how about eight bucks? Yeah, I know.
4: (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, that was good. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of No Agenda, too. And what John Dvorak and Adam Curry call people like that are douchebags. They're people who want the value for free and even want the right to tear it down, but don't want to contribute anything of value. And so, you know, yeah. I and think value like, creators like,
6: should unite. <laughs> and guys like Stephen King probably get, like, huge mileage out of Twitter as, as far as marketing and such. Uh-huh. So yeah. I'm with you on that. And I tweeted him back, and I said, "Look, I love what you're doing for Twitter, and I'm willing to contribute a few bucks a month, you know, to keep it going." So. Yeah, yeah. Go Elon. Go Elon. <laughs>
0: go Elon. Me too. I'm with you. Hey, Steve, we got to go to our break. Good to hear from you. Just hang tight. Okay, we'll be right back. Corner okay. break. Okay. <laughs>
2: Okay, welcome back to the show. Yes, we have another caller, but before we go to a caller, I just have a text in from Normal in Santa Fe, New Mexico, who oh, reminds us normal. that remote sensing for mineral deposits is done regularly by the U.S. Geological Survey.
0: <laughs> really? Remote sensing? Yeah, yeah. Like they've got guys in a room, like, uh, using their psychic powers? <laughs>
2: It's probably more gear.
0: Oh, it's more gear. More gear
2: oriented. I don't think they're they're part of Project. Star hoop, I guess you could
0: call using yeah. a telescope remote sensing. I mean, <laughs> it probably has a pretty broad meaning.
2: <laughs> remote sensing, yeah, this sounds something like you do if you're a quantum telepath.
0: Oh, right, the there sensing. you go yeah. mm, gold and numb their hills. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to some remote viewer people,
2: and yes, they do search for gold. <laughs> You know, yeah. I don't of know. What yeah, they're going to do for whatever those consider they consider was worth their attention.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, and yeah. it's kind of like the prescience who tell you the lottery numbers, right? Sure. It's got a place.
2: <laughs> so, who's our caller, Mrs. Future?
0: We have David in Santa Cruz on the line. Hi, David.
2: David. Hey, welcome to the show.
4: Hey. How
2: are you guys yeah. doing today?
4: Good. We're, we're doing. Yeah. What's Good. happening? So, I don't know how expertly I can speak to Twitter. I've never participated in it. I find it a particularly unhealthy and destructive form of communication in the first place, the whole format of little short outbursts.
2: Mm -hmm. You mean like the Uh, 144-character outbursts? It's it's expanded, by the way. They've changed the rules over the years.
4: In the same way that I don't. You know, I think that it's a shame that we've lost the art of letter writing. I think people were <laughs> able to communicate more effectively with each other when they wrote letters than when they could spend 10 seconds shooting off an email. I, I think it's a progression into more and more abbreviated forms of communication. Are you a writer, David?
0: Other. Are you a long-form writer?
4: I am not anymore. No, not I email, anymore. You email I write. I write longer emails perhaps than most people would. Uh-huh. Because I'm, because I'm pretty chatty, but it's not the same. I don't think that I'm in the same relationship with someone when I'm sending them an email as when I'm sitting down with pen and paper in the same way that I don't think reading a book on a computer screen is the same as having a physical connection with a book that you're reading cover to cover.
0: Well, I um, would well. tend to agree with you. I, I guess, don't think it's the same at all.
4: I guess if you wanted to share a letter these
2: days, you could, like, write one with your favorite pen and then uh, take your phone and take a picture of it and send it to your friend
4: that way. Oh, there you go. That's a good idea. <laughs> but I, wanted, I, I wanted to speak to Elon Musk for a moment because you <laughs> yeah. you, you, folks and I have very uh, clearly a very different perspective on this person.
2: Now you're a little worried First
4: about it, all- huh? Well, first of all, I'll speak to that in a minute, because I am. Yeah, but first yeah. of all, let's not lionize this person too much. This is a very bad person who has a very cozy relationship with both Putin and the CCP. And for us to overlook that, for the purely for the sake of our own national interests, is rather short-sighted. Beyond that, this is a person who has a rather reckless disregard for the concept of parenthood, which to me is also a very telling characteristic. He has a number of children, I think eight that I've heard of, so I have to assume there are more than eight, and he doesn't really parent any of them. Further than that, he's already wreaked havoc on this company in terms of a great number of people that are unemployed. I don't have faith that he'll have any level of regulation as to what has already been clearly reemerging hate speech on the platform, and these things all come together as a great concern for not a check mark on the column for free speech, but this is ultimately another nail in the coffin of free speech that this guy has control over the platform.
0: Okay, now let's let's take that as it comes. That's a lot of that's a lot lot of of information a lot of unpacking and i do think you did a very good job of representing a wide body of the criticisms that are being leveled as if that's the only point of view or as if that's the truth and nothing but the truth so let's just you had your moment and if you don't mind i'm going to She's going to give her your, give her,
2: your, her opinion now.
0: Well, I, I will. I, you you <laughs> appear important. to have an opinion. No, I was going to create no, space for I No, I do. do. I have,
2: of course, you know, we all we'll have go opinions. No, 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 go ahead. You're ready to talk. Uh, I think you should talk to David first.
0: Well, I think David's points are... Generically, true of all opportunities for people to engage in free speech, it's very easy to point to a person who has a lot of resources and a lot of notoriety and act as if the personality or habits of that person are the issue when it comes to free speech. And I think that that's a false logic, it's a false equivalency and that it would be better to talk about what makes free speech desirable and how do we engage in it as a society. And I attribute the diminishing of our free speech as a society to the fact that there are many more voices and many more people that are stepping up to the plate and thus everyone's collective sense of what is being said has a lot more voices in it. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who just take advantage of the relative anonymity of the open communication space that our communication technology has facilitated, and they fill it with crap. We don't have good filters for that. It's a new frontier. It's a new way that we're communicating with each other, and so we need to cultivate new ways to respond to it. And that if anybody, you know, Mark Zuckerberg pretty much got crucified in the early days of Facebook for saying he needed to have some kind of public forum so that the rules of engaging in Facebook would be something that could be a community process. And he was also demonized and crucified. And I think it's in the nature of certain people to demonize and crucify people who are the poster people for certain issues that yes. we're processing I, I
2: personally I think free speech best exists in a no judgment zone
0: hmm yeah well to agree to disagree and to take responsibility for your thoughts but then don't attribute your thoughts to someone else who has their own thoughts that aren't yours
4: <laughs> Can I ask a question of you guys sure of course do you think that there's a space? do you think that free speech, or, well, because I'm thinking you and I have different concepts of what free speech is and ought to be. Do you think there should be any constraint against things that we call hate speech?
0: Of course. I think hatred is undesirable in every context and I do my best to not engage in hate speech and if I'm listening to someone who appears to really relish their own ability to engage in hate speech, I tend to dismiss them as illegitimate or just lacking in authority, lacking in some kind of moral fiber that I consider important for giving someone my trust or my respect.
4: Well, do you think it's coincidence that there's been this radical uptick in the just one example in the use of the N-word on Twitter in the period since Musk has taken over? No, well, you can fabricate being tested any right issue now. you want. A lot of boundaries the being tested. The use of
0: the N-word, there are so many trigger issue things that people can bring into the conversation as if that's
2: where the meat is. Well, they're all... Trigger off hate. That's the that's the problem, and hate? I, I think uh, if we could talk about those issues, but come from a place of love, then yeah. we'd be getting somewhere.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. Is like if I hear a hateful person, I'm going to encounter their hate in my conversation. I'm not going to say that the world is messed up because hateful people are expressing themselves.
4: Well, no, but I'm I'm saying that I don't think free speech should equal speech without consequence. I think we each have to be held accountable for not just our actions, but our words, because our words have impact, and especially depending upon the level of influence that we have in the world.
0: All right, great conversation, David. Let's go to a break and keep it going, okay? Hang tight. All right. And we'll be back after this.
2: Okay, welcome back to the show. Uh, well, David, you've done your job uh, with our audience. We've lit up quite a few neurons and the board is lit. So do you want a final comment before we start taking some more calls? Are you there?
0: David, I have you up. I'm not sure what's going on here. Okay,
2: well, let's go to our callers then.
0: Hold on. Let me see if I'm doing something wrong. Nope. Nope. David, you're on the air, but we're about to go to some other callers because we don't hear you. All right, well,
2: thanks for your call, thanks for stimulating our neurons. Yes. Free speech.
0: All right. Thank you, David. And next we have Firefall on the Monterey Peninsula. Hey, Firefall.
2: Yeah, good good afternoon. (laughs) Yeah,
7: I lived through segregation back in the early 60s Mm. when Monterey County had very severe enforcement of Jim Crow policies. Mm. Now, I want to mention something about Elon Musk. Yeah. But first, I want to say that uh, if you look at the way the N-word was used then, like when I was on Buena Avenue and Seaside, when the whites were on the downhill side of Buena and the blacks were on the uphill side, and nobody crossed the line. Mm. As opposed to the word that's used now, I don't know if you guys get around Monterey County very much, but the N-word, everybody calls everybody the N-word. Whites are called the N-word. Asians call each other the N-word goth people or grunge youth generation, which is probably old now, but they call each other the N-word. There was even a couple of chicks who were Hispanic who had a black cat, and they called it the (laughs) N-word. So, like, really, the N-word being used on Twitter is probably a lot of people of color calling each other the N-word because now they're allowed to speak freely like they do in the hood. Now, I want to say... Something about Elon Musk, I I would advise that he move to Austin, Texas because, number one, that is where the engine of entrepreneurship and engineers that he is going to have to find yeah. to get them in Texas. And it's a liberal city, but it's the right kind of liberal.
0: <laughs> you know, Firefly, you know he lives in Texas, right? Like like he moved his rocket business to Texas. Right.
2: He, yeah, absolutely. yeah, Yeah, there's a certain kind of freedom there that he definitely uh, relates that to.
0: That he resonates the with. Reason, yeah. The
7: reason that I think he should start moving to Austin now isn't just because he's not going to find the talent in San Francisco, but because they have a bad habit in Oakland, San Jose, and San Francisco of Condemning business to to make it so they cannot leave. There's legal loopholes and attachments he's not aware of about the Bay Area. If they want to force him to stay and sue and prevent him from leaving, he better get out while he's got the high wave. <laughs>
0: okay, good stuff. All right, we got the boards. He's are got lit. that.
2: Thanks for so uh, much. All right. All right. Thanks okay. for uh, I hope you. Uh, keep in mind, he lives in a little room, a little tiny house near the rocket, in the rocket. It's sort of like a company town doing rockets <laughs> there. And he doesn't have much attention for the general cultural nature of Texas All as right. much as uh, uh, it seems like he's embracing and more. Firefall has be. gone. So okay. let's
0: see who's next up. We've got Mike in Salinas. Let's see. Oh, I got Benjo in Capitola hit the wrong button. Hi, Benjo. What's up?
2: Hey there. Are uh, you
5: there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the freedom of speech issue. I think it's important to add some historical context. Sure. So especially in our country, when you think of the founding fathers adding this or inculcating this value into our uh, political system mm-hmm. and cultural you know, system, that they have experienced firsthand the effects of what happens when the authorities or those in power suppress people's right uh, to free speech in the form of demonstrating against that said power, writing against that said power. Yeah, and I
0: think that's a generational awareness that I think people that are older have much more strongly than people who are younger.
5: Sure, or anyone with a historical consciousness. I think Mm -hmm. that for the people who trumpet this or who have this idea about the problem of free speech and then equating it to hate speech, Mm -hmm. the problem, they're true, like it certainly it 's offensive certainly it 's terrible, certainly it 's horrible, and no one really condones it. I think you know who 's coming from a rational place or a place of respect and love, yeah. however, the problem has been that historically sometimes people or authorities in power have equated hate speech with whatever the speech that they happen to hate, namely yeah. speech that goes against them or their policies or what they want to do or whatever kind of. And so we've seen this time and time again over history. And this is why it's so important to maintain what I guess Musk would call a kind of free speech purity or
2: free speech absolutism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right. It's beyond nationalistic interpretations of meaning.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I feel it's so intrinsic
0: to the American identity and to the light that we are for the world is that the melting pot doesn't mean that we're all on the same page about everything, but it does mean that we're all proud of the fact that we're individuals, we can think our own thoughts, we can debate with each other. And what's important now is to bring back the idea that we respect each other as we go through that process.
5: Absolutely. I think that's really key. And I think the the vast majority of people feel that way. I think there's a small minority who who don't and who uh, perhaps abuse these platforms. Not only that, and who
0: also turn it into weaponized media. Like, there's some kind of programming where everything you hear is turned into hate, and it it just starts to sound fake now. I don't believe most of the stuff that people are saying about what's wrong with America. It just sounds like somebody's getting paid to say that.
5: Right. Also, you know, when you think of it in a historical context, for thousands of years if you think of ancient civilizations and then if you think of more modern civilizations before the internet revolution the way in which values especially political values were expressed and held were largely conveyed by a small ruling class Mm -hmm. and so for the first time we now have political opinions and views that are outside the small ruling class and the academia that they've typically controlled And, like, normal everyday people have a voice on Twitter, they have a voice on Facebook, and they have a means of breaking through this veneer of, I would say, controlled opinion, Mm -hmm. which has also been a kind of dominant phenomenon throughout history. And so part of the reason why the ruling class in this country and and in others abroad are so afraid, of are fearful of Twitter and Facebook and and these kinds of platforms and equate a lot of what they disagree with as hate speech it's precisely because it goes against their narrative, which they've been used to controlling for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Mm. So this is a huge change that our society has been given, and regular individuals who aren't part of that ruling class, who aren't part of the media, who aren't part of academia, yeah. are finally getting
2: able to express themselves. Yeah, multiple points so, of view, yeah. which is more actually what, what we are as yeah. a species. Ben, I want to yeah. thank you so, for your comments, because
0: we've got a few other people who want
2: to but that's speak, a good point. Yeah, thank you. really good points. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, we're going to yes, now yes, yes. go to Mike in Salinas. Oh. Hi, Mike. Thanks for your patience. What's
1: up? Oh, no problem. He uh, said what I wanted to say much better than I will. <laughs>
3: okay, <laughs> now you get to <laughs> say yeah, something yeah, new. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah. so eloquent. Yeah. Just to uh, credit myself real quick, my wife is black. I don't care if you're green with three legs. I don't care. Hmm. So I have a different perspective than most of the people that are calling. I hear that in word here and there, and also it cracks me up. Living in Salinas, seeing a young Hispanic go by and the music they're playing, in this, in that, I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> David, people like that will label what they don't want to hear as hate speech to shut you up. That's where your last caller brilliantly laid it out, that freedom is being able to say whatever. Mm. I work in construction, and I'm around people that start talking racial things. They don't know me. They don't know my family. Now, if they come to my house or stay in front of one of my family members, you know, then it's a different issue. But if they don't know me, I just let it go. I'm not going to sit there and try to change your mind. We should, as Americans, be able to be racist. As crazy as that sounds, that is true freedom. But yeah, for every action, there is a reaction because the guy you're talking to might be bigger than you.
0: Well, there's all that, but I also want to equate our free speech with our ability to be more civilized than the lowest common denominator. And even if we have the right to be racist, it isn't necessarily that we want to have the aspiration to be racist. We want to be as helpful to each other and to all the people of the world as we possibly can as a society because that is what our huge success has been based on. The reason we are the light of the world is because people come here with hope in their hearts that something is possible and that you yourself have the tools to make it happen and that you're not going to be stopped. And racism doesn't really have a place in that unless it's some kind of positive racism like, oh, I'm proud of my heritage, you know. So it's like got to get beyond thinking that everything is a problem and start thinking about how to be wise about it.
1: Well, the problem with saying we need to be more civilized, who's going to judge what is civil and uncivil? Yeah, well... That, I might uh, like something that you hate, and you might love something that I hate.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, I, my my uh, Norman no, says that, too. I got a message in that says, who determines the consequences for bad speech? Who's making the rules? Right. Who is exactly. making the rules?
1: Uh, see, yeah. my uh, middle son, he worked for Google, and now he works for TikTok, and he's a cyber cop, and he's doing <sighs> policy, and he's, about, he's turning 39 this month. Yeah. And it's finally clicking in him because he's speaking a lot like you, Mr. Future. Don't, don't get offended. I'm just saying, but he's, he's starting to realize, who's setting the standards? And I just smile and look at him. I said, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> well, as but long as we're staying face, in Toronto. a conversation that has goodwill, I'm very interested in everybody's perspective. And I think that exactly. hearing things that aren't coming from your own opinions make you smarter.
1: Exactly. I 100% agree with you. And that's what free speech does, is it opens up and enlightens. You stop empowering that N-word. I'll get around guys, and they say, hey, go ahead. And and so I say it. I say, okay, now what? You say it all the time. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well,
0: the long long conversation is about human respect and how do we have respect for each other, even if we have a whole culture where... You're creating a hierarchy through how you treat people.
1: Yeah, yeah. We can have a single culture with multicultures underneath.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, you want to be a cowboy. I want to be a biker. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Absolutely. But we're all Americans, and that's what it has to come down to. We're Americans.
0: I agree. Hey, we got to go to a break. Thanks so much, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, we'll be right back.
2: Okay, welcome back to the show. You know, it's interesting. The free speech today isn't really just speech anymore. For example, look at this latest trend of AIs that allow you to speak, and then it translate what you speak into pictures. Mm-hmm. So you can describe a scene, and then there's a picture of it right away. Mm-hmm. So this your speech is becoming not just language, but becoming imagery that... Reflects your thoughts. hmm So it's giving your so thoughts
0: th- a little bit more reality.
2: More multisensory, like a more like a movie. Mm-hmm. When you're talking, you'll see a movie
0: mm-hmm.
2: of what you're saying. Ultimately these machines will just do it in real time, like the interlinear translators
4: mm-hmm.
2: for speech, for, for verbal speech. We'd we'll be getting into multi sensory. Also the voice synthesizers, you'll be able to change your voice to whatever you want it to be.
0: hmm <laughs> so female. what what's your what's uh, the bottom so line So the of free what you're speech is
2: becoming more expanded yeah like the technology allows us to be other people for example so uh. you're not just Joe Schmo anymore. You're Eliana, ruler of the seventh ray. Uh
0: huh. You're into expanded possibilities of who you believe you
2: are. Well, we are. We are creating these worlds. The the virtual worlds are a fine example where you can become these exalted characters. How long before we figure out how to do that in the real world Mm -hmm. and create an intersection of the two where your status in the real world is increased by what you're achieving in the virtual world. You
0: know, this reminds me of a very ancient conversation we used to have with Robert Anton Wilson, where we talked about how the creative artist didn't really need a huge following, but they needed a regular following of people who would buy everything they produced. Yeah,
2: he talked about how if you have 50,000 people who buy your book once a year, yeah. that's like 50,000 times $5 so that's 250,000. I can live on that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and so the yeah. idea of having a micro culture that allows you to be as great as you believe yourself to be
3: Mm -hmm. and
0: then having those people who are your fans totally support you in being that
2: so you get a fan club of fifty thousand. yeah
0: and it defies this current model that we have of that you have to be so large that you have no control over who you are and you're a victim of fame yeah yeah because the margin is so thin that you have to have millions of people know who you are before you can even support yourself i
2: know i know like youtube if you want to be Become a YouTuber and make money at it. Uh-huh. You need millions of viewers, or, or at you, least you,
0: hundreds of thousands. Casey, yeah.
2: but the thing—the the advantage nice there—said
0: hundred thousand viewers, he got six thousand dollars a month a month right so that's like a starting point
2: right right right
0: and that was then that was before the new algorithms put the thumb on the scale of uh,
2: youtube (laughs) right right but if you had a a system where you got paid more for Mm -hmm. your participation than what youtube does
0: well and if we design the system so it's meant to direct you towards those people who are most likely to support you Right? If, if, if we gave that as the task to the AIs, and instead of the profiles giving some greed monster the ability to surveil all your decisions and then drive your vote. Or the, all these things that they you tell us I they're doing with data the, yeah. to get as much money and as much influence as possible. If we optimize how you as a person can be most supported by those people who are most interested in supporting you. And we put that out as the AI's assignment. They
2: make the connections, so.
0: Yeah. yeah. It would be a very different world. Like, everybody would be helping everyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> everyone would be helping everyone, huh? What kind of system is that?
0: Well, I think of it as goodwill. Yeah. You know, I think of it as the natural uh, way uh-huh. uh, Organic, society yeah. is supposed to function. We, we like each other. We hang out with people who like yeah. us. We support the people we like. Uh, it's You stay away from people who cause you problems. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds I mean, very
2: natural, sounds very um, biological.
0: Desiderata used to be one of my favorite quotes, Poems. right? Yeah, about staying away from vexatious people and trusting that things are unfolding as they should. <laughs> those those kinds of sentiments appeal to me.
2: <laughs> I hear you. I wouldn't be with you. Yeah, really. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> Heaven on earth, man.
0: Yeah, and it starts with you, the filters you put on your own glasses. Yeah,
2: that's where they they talk about you create your own reality. This is a fine example of that.
0: Yeah, you can't control reality, but you can control your response to it. And you can put out your own best efforts to get where you want to be. It starts by believing that there's an opportunity in every moment and it's yours to move in that direction.
2: Exactly, yeah. So where do we want to move next? Do we want another uh, Renaissance Breakthrough technology uh, before we well, leave? Or do we, we have other callers? Call, okay, let's yeah. do our callers.
0: All right, let's say hi to David in San Francisco. Hi, David.
5: David, hey.
8: Hey, David. Well, how do you do? Uh, Yeah, I was just thinking uh, maybe it could be a renaissance. You know, people have always tried to bring down the rich and powerful. And in this case, bringing down an enormous fool, like, you know, the prince or the king has no clothes. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, the richest guy in the world apparently is Elon Musk. Yeah, He was the one that sent out this tweet that was saying that all of these scurrilous things about Paul Pelosi and apparently he deleted his tweet after two hours. But he got suckered, and he got suckered big time, and now right-wing radio is just going crazy with his foolish tweet. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that happened today was SpaceX, which is Elon Musk's rocket
2: company... Yeah, at the same time as this other event was going on. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Right. Well, he launched a top-secret payload and for the space I'd, force.
8: Yeah, as uh, what I'd like to see in renaissance thinking yeah. is Elon Musk losing his security clearance. <laughs> if he has with his foolish tweet, he has cost America billions of dollars, hundred just in security costs for Congress. All of these congressional figures have now got to pay tens of million dollars apiece in order to protect themselves from, I think, AOC has gotten 400 death threats
5: a day. Well, Four you know,
0: David, I, th- I think that your line of thinking is somewhat biased, and I would tend to put a very different spin on the same outcome. I think that people who are in power would like an excuse to be able to get the government to pay for their security because the big problem that rich people have always had is that they're afraid that those who are jealous of them are going to cause them harm. And that fear is much deeper than this current situation and anything that anybody says about Nancy Pelosi or her husband or anything that Elon posts and the rumor mill and how they just love to make a point whether it's a, a huge exaggeration over what actually
8: happened. Well, it's no exaggeration. I mean, you think about the death threats, the honest-to-God death threats. They're saying that one in six, or no, excuse me, it's more like 75% of all of the election uh, officials in the state of Michigan have ha- have resigned because of all of the death threats. That used to be a calm and steady post that nobody ever paid attention to. But when three quarters of them have resigned because they're scared about death threats. Mm, Well, uh, maybe
0: they're scared about death threats because of things like the government deciding it's a good idea to force everyone to get vaccinated, whether they want to or not. I mean, maybe the government is doing things that are. I am a person who believes in the sanctity of my choice to make a decision about my health and I don't want the state mandating it and that I don't want the government taking over the conversation and telling me that any doctor who doesn't agree with this mandate is going to lose their license. I think a lot of harm has been done by the government because they stopped respecting the rights of the individual. And
4: if anything, that would do a lot
0: to piss people off, much more than one tweet (laughs)
8: <laughs> is COVID a real disease?
0: That's not the issue.
2: Uh, it's come to yes, it come the lab, didn't they? Last the the Senate. One of, saying, one of yeah. one of uh, the oligarchs in Russia just died
8: of
5: COVID about a week ago. You one know that's not, not the conversation. No.
0: This is this is a this is a failure to address. The actual point that I made by turning it into a different emotional trigger. And it's well known that if you can't win the debate, you change the subject. And I believe That's you,
2: David, are. No, we, no, we, 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 we think it's a, real, it's a real thing. So th- 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 let's put that to
8: If it's a real disease, whether yeah. it's germ warfare, does yeah. it, it, civilization try
2: to save itself?
8: Uh, well, civilization has always. Civilization. Do, yeah,
2: I think it tried. Yeah, I think so.
8: Okay, and so it came up with as many different vaccines as it could, and the ones that seem to be working have been have been used to tamp it down so that it's not spreading like bloody crazy. Well,
3: well it, that's we're where we to disagree. To you saw, uh, you saw big that.
2: big pharma doing its uh, its number. Uh, rather significantly and there were a lot there were a lot of other things to be done and a lot of doctors were suppressed on preventative measures especially
0: and we uh, are in the last minute anyway, of the that's show a whole other here. topic but i and appreciate thank you, uh, you you know uh, here, i always David. appreciate oh, you calling yeah we should uh, hang out sometime and we'll have some interesting
2: uh, conversations
0: yeah and i'm glad you're out there listening to the yeah. show and we're always yeah. happy to have multiple points of view but this is the last minute of our show today. Yeah, Bobby, everybody. thanks for
2: being here, and we, we had more, yeah. you know, more fun. Is and, and of course, it is a political time, so we're more political this week than usual. But uh, bear with us. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, elections next week. Yeah, That's elections right. are next week, <laughs> right? At, you know, go out and vote, and you bring at least you know your real ballot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. right, everybody. No problem. Yeah.
4: This is
1: KSCO Santa Cruz. <sighs> mm-hmm.